Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. And let's speak to the chairman at Marisbeck United, Mr. Farouk Kadodia, who's uh, given us some of his time tonight. Good evening, chairman, and thank you for taking our call on SAFM. Thank you, chairman. How tough a decision was this to make to part ways with the coach? Indeed, it was a very difficult decision, uh, knowing that the coach joined the team at the time that covers party relegation and um, went to the Talcom final last year. So I believe that, uh, you know, uh, uh, those uh, results uh, gave us a good run late uh, in the season. In February, we had the best results at the club. And uh, we were sitting very well. And the bio bubble, that's where we took a turn. And uh, we haven't recovered from there yet. Uh, that we haven't tasted victory ever since then. But you know, in saying that, the important thing is to understand that uh, the uh, coaches and the uh, team itself is judged by results. And uh, it was going to be a difficult situation to extend the situation and wait and have patience. And uh, the club made a decision that we need a change. And hence, the parting of ways between us and everything. I know some people will say that it was only four games into the new season, but you made it clear in the statement that it's actually 11 games, including no win in the bio bubble. Correct, correct. Uh, that's true. And no doubt about it, the reality is that we've been in situations like this year before. Unfortunately, the club, in many situations, for some strange reason, always took a very uh, strong and a difficult start to a season. Sometimes it took us right to the wire where in the two years that we fought relegation, either in the playoff or in the last day of the season, uh, it was as a result of, of our slow start. Mm. So uh, with that in mind, I think uh, we had to make a strong decision and uh, try and resolve these issues as soon as possible. And what's gone wrong in your opinion, Chairman? Look, I think it's, football is it's so finicky. You know, there's so much of situations that to get the best out of players, you know, but the business is run at the hands and the disposal of the head coach. He runs the business, so he's got carte blanche to whatever has to be done. So the thing is that, uh, the important thing is that to get the best out of players is quite important. And that, uh, I think, uh, in the latter part of the results, whether it was this season or late last season, the bio-bubble, uh, whether or not uh, the players responded well to the coach is a question mark. But uh, in saying all that, I think the important thing is that uh, uh, together with the players and the coach, you've got to be having the focus onto the job that you are doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as I said earlier, that uh, this, this uh, sport is basically dependent on other people the players largely, that they are playing on the field. And it's the coach that you get the best out of it. And uh, B, as they, I think those are the challenges that uh, we have. I can't uh, basically uh, pinpoint details, but as I said to me, those were the situations. So, you know, whether the coach was focused on the strong business new season or not, that's something that uh, will be left for another day. You know? Yeah. Did you feel that maybe he had lost the dressing room? I think that's largely when, when the guys don't come around, you know. 
I think, uh, you know, uh, the dressing room is quite important. And I think, uh, you know, it was beginning to creep in that uh, he's, he's lost the change room or he's losing the change room. And uh, I think together with the fact that uh, uh, himself, I think, when the frustration came around, obviously the, the focus onto the dog uh, is a problem. And you must also understand that football, you know, uh, football agents basically uh, want the coach to a next contract the moment he he does very well and you know so in february the coach was named the player of the uh, the coach of the month and uh, with those results that we had in february uh, we obviously uh, we're quite wary about this year but in many situations that we experience that when coaches do well the agents uh, market them out for a better contract and whether the focus was lost from then on something that we needed to see exactly and uh, have introspect. Mm, so you could have been distracted, like you said. Correct, correct. Yes, for those who are just joining us, we're just catching up with the chairman at Marispec United, Mr. Farouk Kadodia, uh, just about uh, the parting of ways with Eric Tinkler. We've got a voice note here. Let's play it. Can you please ask uh, the, the chairman, uh, did they consider replacing Sandra Kuru or Richard Ofor after parting ways with them because now the club has been conceding but playing good football and they are promising to get the results but now at the back that's the way the problem is did they consider that before firing him because now they are losing and they are not signing what's the way forward now new coach will they give him money to sign or he has to work under budget just like coach eric Tink. thanks Okay, thanks for that, uh, Tulani. And that's the other argument, Chairman. Some some people will say that considering that you lost Ofori and Kulu, who were vital cogs in your team, didn't the coach deserve more time? Uh, look, I was here, Craig. That all players time at the club was in conjunction with the coach of the day. And Coach Tinkler shared a lot of uh, his input and advice. He lost Ofori because he was in the last year of his contract. And... Um, we replaced him with the Zambian national team goalkeeper. So uh, the coach was quite happy with that after that identifying him. Uh, the only other player that had him in replaced was Sian Nakulu. But in his absence, a lot of new players came in. Mm. You know, whether it was uh, Ali Meza from Sundowns, you had uh, Farai Hazi, the left back, you had uh, uh, Tyron Simmons from Joburg, who was. Uh, had a good academy program for 10 years in Sao Paulo. So those are among the players that we signed, you know. And the thing is that uh, uh, it will always be that uh, uh, the players that come in are players that uh, uh, will have to settle around the market. But more than anything else is the coaches' input and the, corporate, and the coaches' recommendation for players. Talking about players, uh, Chairman, you seem to lose some of your best players every season. Why is it so hard to keep them, or is it the business model? Look, we are in a very difficult situation, because we don't have the title sponsor. For us to sustain the team, unfortunately, we'll have to trade with players. And is that that we want to get to with our players? We also need to keep players happy. In South Africa, the players are brought directly by the uh, the uh, buying club. So once that kind of uh, approach is made, the players obviously are tempted with the big uh, contracts that uh, they are supposed to. 
and it's difficult for us to keep players that are not happy. So hence, that you have to basically uh, keep your player happy, and obviously, if it's going to benefit us financially, then we have to do it. And overall, um, Chairman, how do you look back at Eric Tinkler's time in charge of Murray's Bank United? But consider that Eric Tinkler was unemployed before we brought him to Marisburg. So that hunger was there. The hunger and the support from the team and management that he received was fantastic. That uh, we basically supported the coach. Uh, we had to put huge incentives for players, the coaches, that we survived. And at the end of the day, we went into the playoffs and we did the job. It, uh, uh, the coach basically spearheaded the team. I give credit to it. Uh, he was really rewarded for the uh, uh, for the drive and passion that he took into uh, uh, keeping the team back in the PSL. And then, as I said, the season thereafter, again we worked together because of, uh, uh, very well. You know, uh, getting the team into the South uh, final, and thereafter, before the buyer bubble, sitting in a uh, position uh, four was incredible. And uh, you know, I also understand that. Coaches have the highs and lows, and for whatever reason it is, that we never recover from the buyer bubble. And, uh, Chairman, why did you let go of Vincent Cobola? Because that was another decision that caught a lot of people by surprise. There was some confusion regarding Vincent. Vincent is a very nice guy, you know, but he was positioned into Barrisburg as a first assistant coach. And unfortunately, Vincent was not doing the, the coaching responsibility. With a fantastic person, he was uh, doing the, the, the uh, general responsibility of the coach. You know, uh, many coaches have their own backroom staff, and Winston was one of them. So we, we need to make sure that we, that we encourage the coach to have a first assistant coach in the event that the coach is not well. You know, with uh, COVID-19, the, the fear was that we needed to have a coach uh, that uh, in the event of anybody taking ill, the team can or the business can, can uh, carry on. Mm. So, if I understand you correctly, you're saying that he wasn't doing the work of an assistant coach, Vincent Kowala. Correct, correct. Yeah. Definitely. You know, look, as I said, you that uh, he was a good person, but you know, as far as the coaching duty, he was not. Uh, whether the coach ever allowed him to do the job, I don't know. But the reality, he was not doing the coaching job. And and what was he doing, or how were you able to figure that out, or to ascertain that? Look, it, it was an accepted fact. I don't want to go into uh, open discussion regarding mm. what Wilson was doing. But the important thing here, as I said, that Wilson uh, was a good club club man. And uh, I would always encourage him to go and do his uh, coaching uh, courses and, uh, you know, expedite his coaching career. Some some people say he was the link between the management and 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 the players. And um, whenever there were problems with the players, he was always the the guy to go and speak to them. Well, that was obviously the coaches. Uh, mandate that uh, that was his job. But, you know, in football, you need to have a proper first assistant coach. Mm. I would have delegated Vincent into another position had he presented himself correctly. Mm. I don't think it's fair for me now 
today the brunt of that Arsaya Vincent, you know, Vincent Anderson was a nice guy, and he knows very well that I had no issues with Vincent. But I was looking for a first assistant to do the coaching job. Mm. And you have now appointed Doran Buckle on an interim basis. How long is he in charge for? Until I, I head hunt a replacement head of head coach. Are the CVs coming in? Sorry? I'm saying are, this, are the applications coming in? They're flooding in. Not coming in, they're flooding in. <laughs> and are you giving yourself a time frame, Chairman? I'm trying my best by the weekend or before the weekend to try and have this head coach for the Sundowns because we have a big game next week against Sundowns. And uh, I would love to settle this position early so I don't put plenty of pressure on Delvon Buckley. But uh, in the interim, I, I have no other option but for Delvon to continue until such time I appoint the new head coach. So he'll be on the bench against Super Sport United on Friday night? He'll always be on the bench <laughs> and he will be at the bench. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously, I'm sure you've seen or you would expect that there are already rumours linking Ernst Middendorp with the return to the club. Is he, is he someone you would consider again? Look, uh, Middendorp had a good stay in Marisburg. Whenever he was, he had a good relationship with Middendorp. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, if he's going to be one of my applications, I'll look at him very closely. And just finally, Chairman, as we wrap up, what are the expectations this season at Murray United? Look, I really thought, I probably believe that we need to get out of where we are and target, as usual, a strong top eight position. It's never late. The players need to uh, gel together. And uh, look, it's going to be a very difficult season until we have, uh, allow fans back to the stadium. One of our other trump cards at Marysburg was our home support. Mm. And without the home support, it is quite difficult. And hopefully that uh, the rules change by early next year. It allows them back to the stadium. Yes, and I was about to ask you, I mean, how much do you miss your 12th man, especially on a Friday night? And where do you stand in this debate of whether fans should come back or not? Look, there's no doubt about it. That we gave in value terms, entertainment product that uh, the country fully deserves. And we are proud to, to showcase the kind of uh, entertainment that the theatre produces. And this entertainment can only be produced to the maximum by having the stadium full of people. And our target has always been, in the courses of the day, to play the brand of football that the fans enjoy. Friday night has been a huge success for us. Yeah. And now with no fans, it is one of the contributing factors for uh, our slow start. And just on that, Chairman, finally, what do you attribute this success of Friday nights at Harry Guala Stadium to? Is it something that you saw and you thought you should take advantage of? Is it something that you went out and did intentionally as Marisbeck United? I was telling you, it's a long story. When we got into football, and we started in the in the Bela League at the time. We 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 believe that Friday night will be a project that we need to build because our stadium is situated in the center of Marisburg, where uh, there's easy access from the townships coming to the stadium. People, a lot of people, get paid on a weekly basis, so they have money to get Friday night.
And at the early days, we uh, encouraged, you know, there's no uh, 2010 uh, World Cup rule or FIFA rule about security. We should allow people coming to have drives on the banks of the stadium. Mm. And uh, that way started in the humble way, way back 15, 16 years ago. And from there, it always grew. And as I said, you know, the people want to see an exciting match. And that's why we always encourage the course of the day to uh, commit themselves to playing the brand of football that stands in doors. So, you know, when people uh, uh, finish up work on a, on a Friday, instead of them going back home, the easy, easy plan is to uh, have a meal and come to the stadium. And that is where our success story belongs to. And I think closer in the last four or five years that we had the partnership of the municipality, we worked really closely to market the games via the World Councilors. So our investment has been via the World Councilors to do their, uh, to uh, market in the respective world to uh, uh, mobilize fans to come to the stadium. And th- those efforts we hugely paid off in the last three to four years. Yeah, no, long may it continue, Chairman. People really love Friday nights, even the neutrals, they look forward to seeing those games of Murray's Bank United on TV. But we're going to have to leave it there. Chairman of Murray's Bank United, thank you for joining us uh, tonight on SAFM. And uh, apologies, I'm only seeing some of the tweets now. I think there were some questions directed to the Chairman. I actually wasn't um, logged on on Twitter, but I'll read some of your tweets as we go along. We're going to go to Egypt shortly just to find out how things are ahead of the Kev Champions League final between Zamalek and al Ahli. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Okay, let's get a quick assessment of what's happening in Egypt ahead of the Kev Champions League final between the rivals Al-Akhli and Zamalek in Cairo. We've got our good friend of the show, Amir Fami, who is a reporter at Bain Sports Media. Good evening, Amir, from us in South Africa. Thank you for speaking to us. Good evening, Tabiso. It's always an honor. Thank you. Has it been confirmed now that there will be fans allowed to attend the game? Yes, but only 2,000 fans for each one of uh, of the two sides. A very small number for uh, a big stadium like uh, Cairo International Stadium, uh, which fits uh, 74,000 spectators. But, you know, it's better than nothing because we have been always playing behind the closed doors since very long, even before the coronavirus. Even the, the local uh, matches in the Egyptian Premier League have been played um, from now and then behind the closed doors. So, um, you know, it's a just to give some kind of atmosphere in this uh, great game. Huh? So you're expecting about 4,000, 2,000 from each club, you're saying? Exactly, yeah. Okay. And and how's the general mood in Egypt ahead of this final? What are the, what are people saying? You know, it's it's um, it's very <laughs> intense, you know, it's <laughs> because um, this is the biggest game in, uh, in Egyptian football. You know, it's the uh, first time it's uh, been taken to the final of the... Uh, Cast Champions League, and it's only a one-game final. Uh, you know, everybody's talking about that. Uh, the winner, you know, will will have to boast the uh, this trophy for for so long, and the loser will will will, will have to wait for so long to recover from this. Um, it's yeah, and especially it's um, you know, Al Ahly is the record uh, winner of the Champions League. They have eight titles. The Malik, they have. Uh, only five, and they are looking to the to to, to decrease the gap to win the sixth title. But if Al Ahly 
get, get an, a ninth title, it, it will be you know a, a very big advantage that the Zamalek will need to work harder over the years to to decrease this advantage. Especially, you know that uh, all the controversies that surround the that talk about who is the with the, who deserves to be the club of the century, of the, of the 20th century. We still talk about that even 20 years later. So um, people uh, here are uh, really, we don't have anything to talk about, not the coronavirus, not anything, but we only talk about the game on Friday. Mm. So who's favorite for this game on Friday? Uh, well, sorry, I couldn't hear you. Who is the favorite between Al-Akhli and Zamalek? Ah, well, it's, it's, it's a 50-50 game, you know. Huh? It's for for so long that we didn't uh, we didn't see such an even derby. You know, it's it's very difficult to predict who is the, the winner. You know, maybe uh, Al Ahly they, they have some strong points in, in goalkeeping position and in in, in wing back and in, uh, in, in the left wing back, especially with the, the Tunisian international Ali Malul. Uh, also, the playmaker Mohamed Magdi Afsha, he's an Egyptian international, is a very good player. But meanwhile, Zamalek they have been proved to be very lethal in attack. With uh, the goals being scored uh, from Mustafa Mohamed and the Moroccan winger uh, Ashraf Ben Sharki, who who already won the competition with Wydad of Casablanca three years uh, ago over Al Ahly, by the way. So um, you know, it's uh, every every team has uh, their uh, their uh, their weaks and their strengths, but uh, I I firmly believe that the experience of Pizzo Mosinani can play a major role. He knows how to handle these kind of games, and uh, he knows how to play mind games as usual. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, the Malik coach, Jaime Pacheco, the Portuguese man, is uh, is a little bit conservative. Uh, he's using a, a little bit defensive approach. If he starts uh, a little bit uh, defensive or a little bit shy, like he did in the return leg against uh, Raja of Casablanca in the semifinal, maybe he can concede. Uh, but uh, if he if he lets uh, the Malik uh, play their football, you know, uh, play a fluid football, uh, he can uh, cause damage to Malik's defense, especially that. Lally, they have some problems in the centre-back position. Uh, Yasser Ibrahim hasn't been very convincing uh, since he signed for uh, the Red Devils, and uh, his partner Ayman Ashraf is uh, is originally a left-back, and the Pizzo Mosimani had no other choice but to play him in, this, in that position because there are so many injuries in the back line for uh, the Red Devils. And, um, you know, um, there can be some surprises tomorrow because uh, both teams will undergo the COVID-19 test uh, under the supervision of CAF. Maybe we find some uh, surprise, uh, uh, surprise positive cases. So this will definitely affect the game. But uh, so far there are no no confirmed news. Maybe there are some doubts about uh, the Malik center back Mahmoud Hamdi Rinch because uh, there are some rumors that he tested positive in a in a test that was done by the club, but the club didn't announce anything about uh, his case. So we are waiting uh, for tomorrow and to see if there are many surprises. Hopefully not. And has how how different has Lachli been under Pizzo Musimane, or has he carried on from where the previous coach left off? Yes, very convincing. It was a very swift, uh, you know, uh, transformation from uh, Rene Weiler, the Swiss coach, to Pizzo Musimane. Uh, Pizzo Musimane, he, uh, he he applied, uh, you know, a policy of uh, of uh, composure during the team. Uh, the players uh, look very composed, and the, they are not stressed. That looked in, the, in uh, both, leg, both legs of the semi-final against Ciudad of Casablanca, especially in the game in Morocco when Al-Ahli won by two goals to Nel, and that was the first away win for Al-Ahli in the Champions League in more than two years. So um, I think Mosimani knew how to deal with the players. He understood uh, very well the mentality of the Egyptian player, the way they feel, the way they think, the, 
the culture even of the Egyptian society. He knows that people have uh, too many expectations. He knows that he is coaching a very big team, in, uh, not only in Egypt but also in, in Africa. So he knew how to to deal. He didn't uh, he didn't really take any time to adapt. You know, it's like he has been here for long. So I think uh, his approach uh, has been very successful, and definitely the, the game against Zanalik will uh, can confirm this. And how have uh, the supporters of Al-Akhli or the public taken to Pizzo Musimane during his short time at the club? He has been very popular, you know, even before his arrival. Yeah. Um, he, he was a very uh, respected man here in Egypt because of his uh, uh, recognitions with Manilodi Sundowns, especially when he won the Champions League in 2016 over Zanalek. And uh, even uh, last year's uh, 5-0 win over Al-Akhli. Uh, and he always spoke very well about the Egyptian football in, uh, in, during press conferences or, or interviews. So that gives uh, a very positive image about him. And uh, people really like his mind games. <laughs> they are very, they, they are always eager to uh, to hear about what he said, you know, and what he is thinking about next games because he always plays down expectations. Uh, and this uh, releases the pleasure, uh, the pressure, and this uh, liberates the, his players from uh, pressure. Um, and that's, that helps them to, to be more quiet on the field. Not quiet, I mean, but more composed on the field, as I said earlier. So uh, the way he deals with the players uh, really earned him a very good reputation with the fans here. And uh, I think everyone sees him here outdoors in the streets or in malls or restaurants. Or they always uh, like to take photos with him, and, and, he, and he likes that. So uh, he has a very good relationship with the fans, I think. He... It, can, it can't be better. It can only be better if he wins uh, on Friday. And if he doesn't win on Friday, will it be considered a failure? Partially, yes, but not for him, actually, because, you know, he, he came at the, at the very late stage of the season. He couldn't make any signings. Even uh, the signings that he agreed on with the board will uh, be registered in the next transfer uh, window, not now. So, uh, he... Okay, apologies for that. I think the line is a fail, failing us, but he was saying probably it, not really it will be considered a failure because he came in midway through the campaign uh, with Al-Akhli already almost there in the semifinals, almost there through to the final. I think that's what Amir was saying, but I think the connection... Oh, Amir, we've got you back on. Sorry for that. I think we just lost you there. I was asking if it would be considered a failure or a disaster if, if Al-Akhli don't win the Champions League with Pizzo. Yes, I, I would say partially yes, because, you know, Al-Ali fans are always accustomed to be the winners, especially in a, such an important match with uh, their fierce rivals with Al-Alik. Uh, but uh, the, he, he, in that case, I think he, he may find uh, excuses that will be accepted by the fan base as well, because uh, he inherited the team, he took over very late, uh, he made some signings, but uh, they cannot be registered right now. Uh, so he, he, you know, he doesn't have the, the team that he really wanted. Even as I said, he has some uh, problems at the back that uh, that uh, made him play uh, left back in the centre back position. So it's not very ideal for him, you know. But uh, I think uh, all the positive signs that we we have seen over the past two months uh, since he took over uh, prove that uh, Al fans will be a little bit uh, more patient than usual with him even if we get a negative uh, result on Friday. Okay, we're looking forward to that one, Amir. Thank you very much for joining us in South Africa. As you can imagine, there's a lot of interest in that Kev Champions League final on Friday night. Sure, Tabiso. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, Amir. Keep well.